Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we spoke with Joe Hamilton, who's the CEO of UniGold. They're TSX, the gold explorer of the assets in the Dominican Republic. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, uh, market analysis from expert, experts from around the world, um, training videos, uh, summaries of other interviews that we've done. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go and sign up for the waitlist today, you qualify to have a seven-day free trial. Mr. Hamilton, how are you, sir? Very well. How are you this morning, Matt? Not bad. Not bad. Been a while. I haven't spoken to you since May. Obviously, um, lots happened since then. We're going to hear all about it. So where are you? Well, actually, I know where you are because I I remember the uh, image behind you. It's, uh, it hasn't moved. I'm still just outside of Toronto, um, you know, still sheltering in place, as it were. Good, good, good. Have you been able to get down to site? No, the uh, travel to the Dominican Republic is still somewhat restricted. Uh, there are no direct flights from Canada any longer. Uh, we have to go through the U.S. to get there. That poses some difficulty. Um, but, you know, we've managed to start a drill program and, and um, you know, carry on, do our work that we need to do remotely. So it's we, we there's workarounds. I saw, I saw, I saw, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. But I tell you what, again, we haven't spoken for a while. So for people new to this story and for people who saw the last interview, can you give us that one minute overview? I'll pick it up from there. I'd love to. I mean, we're doing work in the Dominican Republic. Our uh, concession, the Nieta concession, uh, is about 20,000 hectares in the DR. Uh, we've been concentrating over the last five years on a, a small portion of it around the Candelones area. We've defined resources there, uh, you know, and, and we continue to expand those resources and find higher grade mineralization. So our exploration programs are ongoing and uh, we expect over the course of the next 12 months that we'll have uh, more information as far as technical studies are concerned, uh, as well as drill results. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Um, immediately after we spoke in May, you went and raised some money, about six million bucks in the end, was it? Yes. Easy? Uh, it's always easy to raise money when the market is hot and the gold price is moving up in the right direction. So, uh, it, But it's never easy uh, to raise money with, um, you know, in any market, finding new shareholders and, you know, convincing existing shareholders to participate as well. So we managed to uh, supersize the deal, as it were. We, we ended up with far more orders than we, um, than we were looking for initially. We did uh, stop. You know, we probably could have raised $10 million at the time, but felt, you know, $6 million was sufficient to, for us to meet our goals over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, so the board, in their wisdom, um, you know, cut it off there. Uh, we are doing very well as far as that's concerned. Our current drill program will probably consume about $3.5 million of that over the next uh, 8 to 12 months. Okay. So I, I do want to get into the plan in a second, but maybe let's hit these news um, items first. Okay. So you, you put out a drill salt um, of just over nine grams at 30 meters back in August. I think the market reacted well to that. And then it kind of went very quiet. And then you've just released some quite good drill results and the market seems indifferent. So <sighs> frustrated. Uh, well, frustrated, yes. The uh, the drill result, um, you know, the 30 meters at nine grams that we put out in early August, that was the last drill hole from our October to March drill program. Uh, it was sitting in the lab, uh, you know, throughout the COVID shutdown. And we just got the final results in August and put that out. And it ended up being the best hole 
to date on the project. Uh, that's frustrating, uh, knowing that there's, um, you know, that COVID came in just as we were getting hitting stride, as it were. Uh, we started drilling again shortly after that in, in mid-August. Uh, but, you know, now most of the labs are backed up with, uh, with in their analytical sections, trying to get samples out the door. Um, our first result from our new round of drilling, we just put out last week. So there's been, you know, it's sort of eight weeks after we started drilling. Uh, that kind of a delay, I think, um, you know, makes people lose their patience somewhat uh, when there's lots of other noise in the market as far as other results coming up from other programs. So, but, you know, that result was equally good. You know, that was nine meters at almost half an ounce, a little bit over half an ounce of gold per ton. Very consistent mineralization again. Uh, but now that the pipeline is full, uh, you know, we've completed uh, 12 drill holes at site. Uh, those are all in the lab. We've released results from one of them. So the rest of those will be coming out over the next uh, you know, two to four weeks. Steady flow of information now, and, and I expect we'll see much the same kind of intercepts and much the same kind of rates. Right. So, how, how are you going to remind me how you're going to attack this going forward? Obviously, you've raised some money, and you're going to be your geologist, so drill, drill, drill. But to what end? What is the information that you're seeking, and why are you building it that way? Uh, that's you know, I could probably go on for thirty minutes, but uh, on, I'll, I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to encapsulate it. Uh, you know, there's there's two parts. As as we talked about in May, there was a small oxide portion uh, of the deposit. It was you know about 100,000 ounces, but formed a starter operation. Uh, the intention was to complete an economic study on that by the end of the year. Um, we've started that work. We we put out a resource upgrade, or rather, a, we upgraded the resources from inferred to measured, indicated in the oxide portion. That release went out at the end of August. Technical report was filed about uh, 10 days ago. Um, that sets us up for doing the PEA or PFS on the oxide portion. And so we'll, we'll execute that. We'll get that done in the first quarter of next year. In the meantime, we're drilling the sulfides, which is the larger portion of the deposit and higher grade as well. Uh, we're continuing to drill and expand those. Uh, the drill program that we put together between October and, um, you know, it was truncated in March, but between October and March was really an infill drill program intended to move uh, quite a bit of those sulfides into the measured indicated category. This drill program is focused on expanding the resources and doing step outs to depth and along strike uh, to try to put more tons in the bank and try to expand that. Our objective by the end of the year is to get the uh, deposit up to 2 million ounces at a grade between 5 and 7 grams per ton. Um, and we've certainly got, by that time, we'll have about 30,000 meters of drilling that we will have completed in addition to or in excess, uh, the last resource estimate we put out on the sulfides was in 2015. So we've done 30,000 meters of drilling since then. We'll upgrade that resource estimate uh, probably in the first quarter of next year. Right. Okay. So you raised six million. You're going to spend three million on, on drilling. You're going to have to be really careful about how you apply that capital. Right. You've got to kind of create value in the marketplace. You've got to do things, or you probably want to do things the right way technically as a geologist to kind of give you the answers to the questions, but you still need to be talking to the market. So the assays are being delayed. That you know that means that some people perhaps lose interest and they do go off elsewhere. I think you referred to earlier. So how are hmm. you going to manage the you know small amount of capital that you've got to balance up those two things? Well, a lot of that comes down to drill positioning. Uh, you know, it comes down to where where do you position the drill holes for the biggest bang. Uh, you know, we've spent quite a bit of time. We understand these systems. We understand the structural controls. We understand where they're going. You know, we've got over a 90% hit rate on our drilling. 
Uh, we know how to target the mineralization. So the objective then is to continue to do that, but with ever increasing step outs, so we can show the potential for the system. You know, this system starts at about 50 or 60 meters below surface. We've only drilled it down to about 350 meters below surface. It's still fairly shallow uh, from an underground mining standpoint. Um, these type of systems, these type of epithermal systems, if you look at uh, similar systems in Mexico or Chile, Peru, or even Japan, New Zealand, um, you know, these systems generally have 700 meters to 1,000 meters of vertical extent. Uh, we've got, you know, maybe 300 meters defined. I think the chances are pretty good that we'll be able to pull that down another 300 meters and double the resource that we've got. Right. Okay. Explain to people why you're looking at this as, you know, the oxides versus the sulfides and one's low grade, one's high grade. Um, you've got to create value. You just said it yourself. So it, you've got to keep it simple for folks, you know, so how do you go about creating the most amount of value? And it comes back to the same question. Where do you spend your money? Why not focus on one rather than the other? Well, the, um, the oxide portion of the deposit's fairly small. It's, it's where it outcrops and, it, and it's where it, uh, you know, it's tropical weathering. It's probably only a four-year production profile. But it's low-hanging fruit in that it brings on a lot of cash flow, which, you know, at this point in time, I would suspect the cash flow will be um, an order, well, I would say an order of magnitude, but you know, double our current market cap once we define that project. The underlying sulfides, however, are much larger. Uh, you know, they're probably 20 times more resources in the underlying sulfides. They're open, they're expandable, and they're high grade. Uh, they're thick, which sets them up easily for underground mining, uh, you know, mechanized mining underground, which means you can, you should be able to pull them out at a, uh, you know, at a fairly substantial rate. So it's the sulfides that are, uh, the real win in the project. Uh, the oxides are low-hanging fruit, low capital, uh, low operating cost, good starter, gets us set up for logistics and supply lines in country, uh, gets staff trained in preparation for going underground on the larger resource. Okay, so there's a game plan. Going after the oxides, get some cash flowing, and, and I'll give you time to kind of set up in, in country, and hopefully you know, free, free cash flowing relatively quickly. It pays for future exploration and development of the sulfide component. That's the game plan. That's the game plan. And that also reduces the dilution that shareholders have to face as we go into the underground development. So if, if we could get that established, then uh, you know we, we should be in good shape. The capital is achievable. We can probably do a fair amount of that with, with debt. Our internal estimates indicate that the payback should be within one to one and a half years. So it can support a fair amount of debt and still have a good reserve tail. Right, so in a way you're kind of restricted at the speed at which you could move by definition, right? Because you're going to mm -hmm. have to try and get a portion of this financed and into production and producing cash before you can really develop out what you see as the kind of the, the meat and gravy of this project, which is the sulfides. Correct. But, you know, remember that the, the oxide portion does a number of things for us. Um, the first thing it does is it supports the application for a mining license. And I think a mining license is important for de-risking the project. Uh, you know, a mining license in the Dominican Republic is granted for 75 years and gives us 75 years of tenure uh, over that block of ground. That's important. Um, the other thing it does for us is supply lines in the Dominican Republic need to be established. We need to we need to set up with suppliers. Most of the critical mining equipment will have to be <coughs> excuse me will have to be <coughs> uh, will have to be uh, imported as well as reagents and and you know chemicals. So that sets us up. It also allows us to train workforce. So all of that gets done. 
um, while we are driving underground ramps so that we can assess the underground portion of the deposit. Uh, and the underground setup will probably take 18 months to two years in any case. You know, um, it will be two to two to two and a half kilometers of ramp uh, would need to be put in place so that we can access the underground portion. Uh, and that will take time. Okay. So the oxide set us up nicely. No, I, I, I get that. What I'm trying to do for people here is give them an idea of what they could be investing into. This isn't a necessarily a quick turnaround, but it can it left alone. Throw some cash in and just sit back and leave it alone for you know two three years. <clears throat> it it grows in value over that time. So it just people in the minds like to understand the kind of the risk profile. They like to understand the you know the return profile as well. So it, it it was just really a question about timing to be you know frank and honest with people. Um, question I want to ask you about. I, I noticed a barrack in country because I, I think we talked before about you know Dominican Republic as a mining jurisdiction, and I think you're very very positive, but. Um, I saw a piece recently, um, last month actually, actually earlier this month, uh, about the amount of money that say, someone like Barrick is contributing in country and they have invested a few billions of dollars. So do you imagine, therefore, it's going to be a much, uh, it's going to be an easy process to kind of get your permits, get your licenses when you start applying? Uh, I think getting the licenses, um, I think, will be, a relatively easy process. Uh, one of the key items, of course, is ensuring that we have a social license to operate, which means that we've got to do the education and address any uh, issues that come up from the from the population, the communities, and the stakeholders that are involved. That's underway now, uh, so that early in the new year we should have a, a good social framework together. I think that's the key for the government being able to grant uh, the mining concessions. You know, you said that barracks in country. Uh, there's no question they are. Uh, they've taken a very prominent role since COVID knocked the tourism industry out of the country, um, you know, Barrick has been able uh, to make advanced tax payments and advanced royalty payments, which has helped the government out immensely in, in times when they need hard currency. Uh, you know, Barrick at one time, uh, or the Pueblo Viejo mine, uh, contributed about 20% of the tax revenues to the government. That number is probably double or triple at this point in time since there's no tax revenues coming in from tourism. So the government's realizing just how important mining is in the country. Uh, they'd like to promote it. They've said that repeatedly. They'd like to see new mines put into production as quickly as possible. Uh, we went over that in our last interview, Matt, about uh, you know, the government wishing us to, to move to a mining license as quickly as possible. We're on that path. Um, you know, With Barrick being a country, they've got $7 billion in installed infrastructure in the country. Uh, I don't think they're going anywhere quickly, but they do only have a 10 to 12-year mine life at this point. Um, so at some point with that existing infrastructure, I think they'll be looking for new resources in the country. Um, but, you know, we, uh, there are a number of deposits that are known, and I think the government would like to see those developed as well. And they've picked up a bit of land next door to you, haven't they? Well, they have. Um, you know, they're, they're, anyone's free to stake ground in the Dominican Republic. We're almost at our limit on what we can assess. But yes, uh, you know, Barracks moved out and started exploration in the country, um, you know, and, and looking to increase their resource base. Okay. No, we're making no assumptions on that, are we? No well, you know, I, you'll um, uh, you know you'll have to speak to Barrick to find out what their intentions are in country. But uh, you know they, um, you know that they, I'm sure they'd like to do exploration. I'm sure they realize that Trio Belt is pregnant uh, with gold, and the systems there can be large. Um, so obviously, they're willing to spend some time and money to uh, to look at it. Okay. And what have you got lined up for the rest of? Well, there's not much left for the rest of this year. I assume it's I assume it's drilling. But what have you got lined up for the rest of your capital that you've got available to you? Well, there's a number of things that we'll be doing this year. Obviously, drilling. 
you know, we won't stop the drills. Uh, we've got two drills turning now. Uh, we had a bit of difficulty waiting for assays to come back so that we could target new drill holes. But in November, we'll be uh, mobilizing two more drills in the field and we'll have four drills turning in order to expand this as quickly as possible. Um, in addition to doing that drilling, we will complete the economic studies on the oxide portion of the deposit. Uh, we have started a scoping study on the underground to see what the capital cost would look like and what ramp positioning would look like and to see how we can conceptually extract this material underground. Um, and then early next year, uh, we'll do a resource upgrade on the sulfides and put out a new resource estimate the sulfides, which should dovetail nicely with the scoping study so we can understand perhaps how we access and extract the material underground. So all of those things are coming. Uh, you know, as well as continual drill results uh, over the next year. And, and we're quite excited about the drilling. You know, it's quite excited about what we see in the core box. We're just waiting for help from the lab to understand what the grades look like and what the thicknesses are. Okay. I don't think there's much more we sh we can talk about until you've got some more of these drill results back because you'll start to, you'll be able to tell us more about what you think you've got. But um, you listed on the OTC OTCQX uh, back in September, doesn't seem to have had an impact for you. Is that sort of because of the lack of marketing and promotion on your part? Uh, I think that's probably correct. We haven't done a lot of promotion in the U.S. to U.S. clients. Um, you know, we got the listing activated uh, simply as to set us up for doing that. Our intention between now and the end of the year is to do a lot more active marketing in the U.S. and, you know, to find U.S. investors. Uh, we'll be doing that over the next four to six months. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hoping that we'll see increased volumes there. Okay. Do you think you can compete? Like you said, at the right at the beginning, there's so much noise. It's like any project that's got the word gold associated with it seems to have be having money thrown at it. And it's very confusing for, I was going to say Robin Hood investors, but it's, it's certainly, well, it's confusing for them, but it's very confusing for even gold bucks because there's a lot of stories out there. I mean, why, why should people be interested in you guys? Well, you know, the, the, way, uh, the way I like to put it, the way we differentiate ourselves is, first of all, if you are an investor uh, that wants to buy a company um, that may get taken out in this cycle or may be able to develop a mine in this cycle, then you need to look for projects that have been around for at least one or two cycles previously. The nature of the of exploration these days, and, and we touched on this in our last interview, Matt, is, is such that you can't expect to have an exploration discovery in this cycle and have something go into production and complete all the environmental and engineering and, and uh, community relations work that you need to do to get into production in this cycle. Most things that you'll see developed take at least two or three gold cycles. So if you're an investor, you should really be looking for those projects that have been around for a while because those are the ones that are most advanced and most likely to move quickly. Um, the second thing that I'd look at is, is you know, it's always difficult for investors uh, to understand what drill results mean. And I see a large number of drill results that are coming from, uh, you know, from companies where, you know, you've got 500 grams over half a meter, um, which suddenly turns into, when they report it, turns into, you know, 20 grams over 10 meters. They're not the same. Uh, from an economic standpoint, from a mining standpoint, to extract a half a meter uh, vein, you need men and wheelbarrows. To extract a 10 meter wide vein, you need mechanized machinery underground. Mining rates are much higher. Mining costs are much lower for uh, wide, broad intercepts. That's something that I like to bring up um, when we look at the intercepts that we're getting at Unigold and at Candelones. These are nine or 10 meters of consistent mineralization from hanging wall to footwall. 
Um, you know, they're not high grade hits that get smeared out. Uh, this is consistent 10 meter wide um, to, you know, 20 to 30 meter wide uh, intercepts. For instance, in August, when we put out a 30 meter intercept at nine grams, we published the, um, the meter by meter assays uh, from that. It's on our website. You can look at the press release. It was in the back of the press release. But every assay over that 30 meter interval ran between four grams and, and uh, I think the high was 19 grams, but very consistent mineralization. That just means that it's most likely economic. Mining's easy, uh, you know, uh, as far as dilution's concerned, it's minimal. Uh, it's usually visual for mining and you can use large mechanized equipment. So I think that's what differentiates us. And I think investors should be aware when they're looking at some of these narrow high grade hits, they're, they may not be economic. The other point about narrow high grade hits is when you do a resource estimate, they disappear. They get cut back and they don't have a large sphere of influence. They don't get, uh, you know, they, they don't, they don't move anymore than about five meters away from the hit. So the perceived ounces disappear quickly. Um, whereas what we're seeing in the Dominican Republic are broad, consistent hits of mineralization, which mean that when we come to do the resource estimate, they won't disappear. There probably won't be any cutting involved. Um, and you know, ultimately from an economic standpoint, that's what I wanna see. Uh, I wanna make it easy. I, I don't wanna make it hard. Uh, Mother Nature's helped us here. All we have to do now is prove to the market uh, which is the human part of the, part of the engineering, uh, that this thing will be economic and can be economic. Joseph, brilliant. We have to get you back on to do some analysis for us of, <laughs> of drill reporting. So how, it's going to help people because we say well, we know it because you know, we're analysts. But for the average investor looking at these very long, boring tables, it's difficult to interpret. And the headline is sometimes the easiest thing to go to. And as a promoter or a CEO, sometimes they go for the easy option too and pick out the thing that looks good. And I appreciate that. Yes. Appreciate that. Yes. Okay, well, look, um, stay in touch because I mean, the, the key thing here is what people understand your plan, two-stage plan, go after the oxide and the cash flow and then develop the, the sulfide component because it's a much bigger uh, prize. Uh, that will take some time, but you're going through a process. That's great. And um, second thing is that um, you've got to do some drilling now and get more data out into the market as assay labs uh, allowing. So stay in touch more regularly and let us know how you're getting on, please. Will do. And uh, you know, keep keep an eye out for the uh, for the results that are coming. Now that we've got the assay assay pipeline full, uh, we expect to get results on a regular basis. So we'll just keep. Keep drilling, keep the drills going. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.